Thank you, Ying. It's lovely. I really like in, in Ying's guided just that um, that we we reflect in this practice on speech as it arises without a lot of judgment around, oh, shouldn't be engaging in unwise speech, should be engaging in wise speech, but rather just watching how each land in the mind. And it's nice because we began the day with that in a way in the questions. And uh, it's nice to see it reflected in the guided. I'm going to sort of continue uh, where Kim left off. Kim talked about modes of speech and content of speech that um, by avoiding, by avoiding getting caught up in, we can be moving toward greater ease and freedom uh, and talk about sort of what it would be like to, to, to lean into cultivating wise or skillful modes of uh, speech and also uh, uh, content or topics of speech. And the, the, the flip side, in a way, of avoiding speech that's um, untrue or that's uh, divisive, that's uh, harsh, that um, um, moves us away from, from the path. Um, we cultivate speech that's true, gentle, connecting, and meaningful. And I'll just unpack briefly those four terms. Speech that's true. I think also it's nice to think of speech that's honest. English among its English, although it has many, many challenges, it, uh, it has a lot of synonyms and they have different flavors. And I like thinking that speech can be honest, being honest with ourselves without maybe a lot of judgment, being true in our speech, being honest in our speech, have sort of different flavors. And uh, it's not just about avoiding falsehood, but speaking honestly, speaking from the heart, speaking our truth, you might say, or being honest with what's happening in us as we bring that out into the world of interconnection with other people, other beings. Gentle, kind, you know, um, bringing speech, uh, cultivating speech that even if it presents inconvenient truths, for example, or is honest, is also gentle. And that's not always easy to do, but it can be done. Right. And we can recognize it like in the breakout rooms, maybe places where we can combine those things, being honest and being gentle. Um, connecting sort of speech that I would say um, connects us to other people or keeps us connected. Right. This idea of Kim's of sort of trying to play in the same key, um, trying to maybe respect a container that exists where we're sharing um, and uh, moving toward a place of connection uh, can be a, a good way to sort of think about that aspect of mode, mode, cultivating a skillful mode or skillful modes of speech. And then fourth, I said meaningful. In many places in the text, there's ways to refer to speech that moves toward the goal of our practice. And I think meaningful is quite a nice way to capture that. Um, somehow connected to the goal of our practice. And that may seem a little vague. Um, and a reference was made, I think, by Kim and her uh, Dharmet about <clears throat> wise um, effort, uh, bringing in an aspect of the Eightfold Path 
And here it might be useful to think about wise intention, the second factor of the Eightfold Path, and particularly sort of recognizing the value of cultivating speech in which there's letting go, goodwill, and care, the three aspects of, um, of wise intention or three aspects of wise intention. That may just provide a way to what does it mean to, to engage in speech or cultivate speech that connects us with our goal, our practice, um, that in it we're letting go, and that may be maybe listening, all right? Or that we have goodwill, which might express itself in gentleness, right, in the way we express our thought. Or that there's care in it, right, that we um, avoid cruelty in our speech and that we actively cultivate care. And that might be, you know, in that attention to connecting, connecting with others, connecting with our own hearts, connecting with uh, the hearts of others. That was all pretty serious. So let me say something about the humorous part of this, which is the content, as Kim so skillfully put it, there's content that we might avoid engaging in, not because there's some commandment to not talk about the body and adorning it or, you know, the latest you know, whatever thing we have to adorn our bodies coming in our chain, our string of Amazon deliveries. But there are things that we might, um, content that we might lean into when we see it coming up as an opportunity. And these are the 10 topics that come up in uh, various places in the suttas uh, to talk about. And maybe I'll read them because there's a pattern to them. See if you can spot the underlying pattern. And then I'll comment just briefly on a couple of them. These are topics that are thought to, again, lead us into skillful speech. It's not like we should only talk about these things, just like we shouldn't avoid talking about, you know, sports scores at the water cooler, but rather be careful of the way they can bring us, in this case, into our practices, back to our practice. Talk about the fewness of wishes. Talk about contentment. Talk of seclusion. Talk of keeping our distance. And oh, by the way, we will provide these to you. Don't need to jot them down. We'll, we'll be back. Uh, and some of these you've seen in the homework or the uh, things shared already. Talk of arousing energy. Talk of virtuous action in the world. Talk of meditation. Talk of wisdom. Talk of freedom. And talk of the knowledge and vision of freedom. So just something about each of those and maybe something about the pattern. I won't mention all 10, but talking about the fewness of witches um, or just being attentive to the talking about how much we talk about what we want. You know, how much that comes up in our communications and how much maybe there are other things to talk about. Maybe letting go a little bit of how much we feel like we would like to talk about our wishes. Talk of contentment. <clears throat> Maybe recognizing, you know, uh, probably people, you may yourself have a gratitude practice, right? Where we bring our contentment with um, things and maybe particularly our contentment in our practice, having our practice as a refuge, as a, as a support in our lives. Talking of seclusion. Um, and this has a, 
I think a flip side, certainly talking about way, not just talking about our latest retreat experience, <laughs> maybe, but also talking in ways that support our community in which in a way we, many of us do seclude ourselves from certain, you know, markets of exchange in the world. Uh, and, um, bringing our conversations to community and the way our community supports practice. Talking about meditation, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but um, one of the things that's uh, lovely about our practice, and we could see it in the questions, is that people share very intimate things about their lives in our speech, and we can lean into that in our practice. Um, The meditation practice, the wise speech practice, the Eightfold Path practice, But um, it's a very sweet thing to be able to talk with people in our community of practice about our meditation, about our experiences, about challenges where we're we're finding the edge of our practice in our meditation. I would also emphasize talking about wisdom and talking about freedom. Wisdom in the sense of just maybe the teachings, sort of how we come to uh, hold the teachings and how we come to apply the teachings, how we see the teachings arising in our minds. It's a way of building our wisdom. And certainly when we share, as we do frequently with great care, some of the insights that we have come to, um, these are ways of, ex- of talking, about, uh, talking about wisdom. Talking about freedom. You know, places where we do let go, where we're aware of lettings go where we're aware of ease, where we're aware of calm. These can be inspiring to other people. They can be wonderful to share. And some of you are probably aware of the four Brahma Viharas, sometimes the third one. Sympathetic joy is hard to to grasp. But part of that is leaning into, um, much as we attend to ourselves and other people in suffering, being, being with freedom when it happens, right? And this can be an aspect of our speech, to be present, to listen, to smile, to, in other ways, support freedom when it's, and enjoy it when it's happening uh, in others. I said I would comment on the pattern, and it's probably, aware, probably apparent to some of you, particularly if you see it written out as a list. And for anybody who took our class last year, the four of us taught a class on the gradual training. These 10 topics, in a way, lay out the gradual training, proceeding from letting go and virtuous action into meditation, into the, um, into the sitting with uh, insight and freedom. And so there's a way in which uh, this, is a, this is a kind of speech that draws us forward into the path. And this is another aspect of speech that connects us with the practice and speech that you could say even draws us forward into the practice, right? Just final sort of comment off the cuff in in a couple remaining minutes before we go to probably some brief questions. Yeah. Um, I would just say, I think you can see how these things might show up in some, you know, sort of contemporary modes of practice the way they show up in the way we might um, um, interact, as Kim put it, with the newspaper or however we get our uh, news feed, uh, how we, um, in interacting with things with our wants, how we, how we engage with Amazon 
how we, and of course, we rely on Amazon to bring us useful things and connect us with people. It's not that we avoid these arenas, but we're, we watch how we can engage in them in, in positive ways. Every email we write or text we send provide an opportunity um, to, to think about what, by way of mode and content, what we share, how we share it. And uh, in other realms of exchange and sort of where we're maybe can be brought aware, as mentioned in comments earlier about the impact of our speech, you know, we can be very attentive in the worlds that the virtual worlds we create around Facebook and Instagram. I should say Facebook slash Instagram and any other um, interaction with firms whose principal aim is to gather and sell our information about our preferences and wishes. Um, just how we, how, how we engage both in terms of mode and, and content. And just for a personal example, I would say that in, since engaging in this practice and getting deep into things like wise speech, um, the, the way uh, I write email is very different than it used to be. I really think about the person I'm writing about when I put their name up there. I almost bring them to mind. I really try not to send off quick emails that don't have a salutation and a, and a sign off that, that really express some, you know, some amount of presence. And uh, I don't want to make it all about me. I would say that in corresponding with colleagues and friends, fellow practitioners in the Dharma, I notice this attention to speech and that further supports the sort of, you know, community practice of, of, uh, of speech that we, that we're fortunate to be able to have the opportunity to have the space to engage in. So questions, answers. Um, I'm going to pass this to Kim and Diana, because I think it's, it's probably one of you who will guide us here. Please, if anybody has any questions, and thank you for the lovely talk, David. We can take note of the fact that one of the things on the list was talk of virtuous conduct. So that's what we're doing in these classes. Okay, thank you, Leslie. Um, I would like to hear about how to have a um, friendly discussion where there are important points where people actually do have different conclusions and they have consequences. Um, so how do we uh, skillfully maintain a relationship with somebody who's got a very different conclusion than us about what's the right thing to do and we have to work together with them in some way. So agree to disagree kind of might be the topic. What, what, what is a skillful way to do that? Yeah, this is a, comes up a lot because, you know, we all have many different ideas about things. And we, of course, bring our own just different perceptions of how things are. Um, so 
one thing that's helpful in the background is a couple of things I remember sometimes are, first of all, everybody wants to be happy in some way. Everyone is actually trying to find a, a state of ease, but they may have really uh, different ideas of what that is based on or how to do it based on their backgrounds. Another thing I sometimes remind myself is everybody's actions make sense to them. That's pretty interesting to contemplate <laughs> when they may not be making sense. So, um, but sometimes um, what I do is broaden the picture even more. So the reason that A and B look different um, is sometimes that because they're, um, you know, we're only looking at the conclusion, you know, what is the result that we're aiming toward? You have this one and I have that one, or you have this method and I have that method. And within that realm, these things are kind of irreconcilably different. But, you know, in sort of a bigger picture, sometimes other things start to come in. Um, you know, is there uh, a wider field in which both A and B are different options? And can we engage around what that wider field is? Uh, it doesn't mean that anybody's going to change their view necessarily, but that can provide a connection that you're in this bigger space of, okay, so what we're talking about is how to bring the most <clears throat> safety around COVID procedures to our community, something like that. And so then you just, you just name this bigger field, and sometimes that can ease things off within it. Or there's always the inclusion of the internal dimension, you know, it's like, like externally, we've got these different things going on, but internally, I can hold, you know, the idea that uh, what matters the most is that my mind doesn't fall into an unwholesome state, which includes judgment, anger, um, ego, these kinds of things. So guarding our mind from that can help our mind find a bigger place to be in terms of equanimity or compassion or one of the universal qualities. So I think I'm saying change the ball field somehow. Can I use that analogy to change the, usually broaden um, the space in which these things are occurring? And then that can um, ease some things up, if not you know, necessarily automatically harmonize them. And I invite any comments from my fellow colleagues, teachers. I'm looking to see whether Diana or Yang have unmuted and they haven't. Uh... Yeah, so I'll just add this. I mean, part of broadening that perspective, I think, is being attentive to what I want. If I want to educate, convince, or bring to some reconciliation, it may be useful for me to sort of, I love the way, Leslie, you said, agree to disagree, not because you said it with such lightness. When I've said that phrase sometimes in the past, it's like, let's agree to disagree, and I hate you, or, you know, I, I have strong feelings of aversion toward you. But you said it with great lightness. And I think um, opening to that space too, where, you know, there, there's some letting go of um, a, a particular outcome can be, can actually, you know, open up all sorts of possibilities in a, in a conversation and in a relationship. Okay. Was that, um, Satisfying enough, Leslie, did we? Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. 
Um, I think Julie is next. Oh, thank you. I'll try to be brief. Um, it was interesting, Kim, when you went through uh, what to be avoided. I was thinking, then what do we talk about? And then David went through his list. And then I, I made the connection that, um, at least in my experience, the truth is not being spoken in some cases in, in my daily life, in particular at work. And I realized that the, 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 our meetings, all the meetings I have with my clients are filled up with um, some truthfulness, but some truth is being withheld, which is why they engage my consulting firm to begin with. Um, and so I'm curious um, what, if anyone has any thoughts in this call about um, being, you know, how to handle a situation where you know the truth, uh, what the truth is, you and others, but it's not being spoken. And there's resistance from others in having you speak it. Um, any words of wisdom there on how to, how to manage that? I think it's somewhat specific to the particular situation. This is a hard question to answer in general. Um, Cause if it were easy to answer in general, the world would be easier. Wouldn't it? I see you laughing. Okay. <laughs> you get that. So um the word truth is um, uh, can be misleading because it sounds very clear. <laughs> um, and there are factual truths, of course. You know, two plus two is four. I'm clear on that. Um, but there are also things that are, in a sense, fictional because they're agreed upon, but they're also true. Um, and those are a different realm. And that, that's the realm usually where we get in trouble. Um, I don't mean fictional like they're unfactual. <laughs> but, you know, for example, um, you know, to, to bring us into this world that we're exploring, the Buddhist teachings on wise speech, we all, the story of the Buddha is something that is... Um, in some ways constructed, but the truth of it is so powerful. You know, when we um, examine his story, the so spiritual truths, for example, um, are something that uh, involve more of our being than factual truths. So I'm pointing to a very big topic here, but I'm doing that because that this is what drives our tendency to only see part of things is that we've brought in our emotional side, our perceptive side of the human. And that is an area that needs to be attended to in addition to just what's absolutely factually true. And that's what makes life really hard and what makes it really interesting and what where our ethical practice has real juice to it. So, um, yeah, your answer, your, your question was so profound. I really felt like um, offering something quite deep there. And at a top level, there's always just agree to disagree. <laughs> but um, does that point you towards something? And I'll invite other comments from other teachers. But um, yeah. Yes, thank you. Okay. Appreciate it. 
And I'll say that in the interest of time, uh, we, we need to close for today. We, we do plan to talk in the coming sessions about discussions because those come up in the texts and uh, thus in the teachings. And maybe we'll get, you know, some additional, uh, bring some additional uh, light to some of those, some of those questions, although as Kim points out, that's tricky. In preparation for Thursday, we like to give homework around which we always put quotation marks. Um, and our idea this time is to take a look at Kim's handout from last time, I think, uh, between, or no, coming. Sorry, thank you, Diana, for the head nod. That will be coming. That kind of lays out some of these things. And then, um, and then maybe practice with some of these things around the cultivating side. And although we have a tendency and it's there for a reason in the mind to say, oh, I need to work on truth. I need to work on kindness in the speech practice. I would say find something that seems easy to you, maybe, like speaking kindly or speaking in a way that um, builds connection, you know, that's affiliative or that you feel draws your practice onward. And, and sort of double down there, maybe. Think about lean into something that seems easy for you uh, because these are all related. They bring each other along. Uh, that may be in some ways, a, a useful way to think about cultivating, uh, to, to kind of lean into things where you feel that you have some um, strength and can recognize and uh, support your practice in that way. So thank you, everyone. And uh, we'll see you, hopefully, most of you on Thursday and looking forward to that already. So take care. And if you'd like, you can unmute and we'll say goodbye and tell just what 48 hours or so. Can you believe it? <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. Take care, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye.